Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Jeff Brazier, Only Human, my open and honest podcast, where we can talk and ask questions about what's working in our lives and what we're finding difficult. As a trained life coach, I believe a straight talking conversation is vital to our future happiness, mental health and positivity. So this podcast is all about doing exactly that, saying out loud what we're finding tough and sharing advice and tips on the things that are helping. Removing the expectations we put on ourselves and taking every day one step at a time. There are themes within this podcast that some people might find upsetting. So if you're affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, please speak to a professional or visit absoluteradio.co.uk forward slash time to listen for details of some amazing organisations we work with who can help. So this week's subject was prompted for me by some really sad news of of someone's passing, an avoidable um, death, Um, anyone who takes their own life. uh, It's the most incredibly sad situation um, to hear about. I know that life is difficult for many. I know that the pandemic in the last 12 months has obviously had a bearing on people's mental health um, generally. And I wanted to focus on male mental health um, because I just looked at some stats around how much more likely men are to actually die by suicide than women. And I think it's three in every four will be male. One in eight men by all accounts is experiencing a common mental health issue like depression anxiety, panic disorder, OCD. And and what I think we all understand and assume with men is that we are not as good as women at helping ourselves, um, at talking. And there are reasons for that. And I guess that traditionally, we've been told from a very young age for the last however many generations that our job is to be strong. And our job is to be in control and look after everyone and provide and support and not really take any of that for ourselves, not really needing that for ourselves. But I mean, life's changed so much, hasn't it? With the with the improvements around diversity and inclusivity and equality um, within any household. And I, I speak about mine really as a really good example in that there isn't really anything that I can bring to the table as far as his family's concerned that my wife can't. She would say, well, hold on, actually... You know, sometimes I can't unscrew a, a lid to a jar. And, um, you know, that, that if I'm really being honest and scraping the bower is, is the only thing that I feel like I could say is, well, that's my job. You know, that's my role. And, you know, we, we apportion the roles, don't we, between ourselves and our partners and, or, or, or our kids as well, whoever lives here. So there's, these things have, have changed a lot over the years. And I think it's been incredibly empowering for women who rightly now are recognised as being capable of doing anything that they want to. But what of men, you know, in terms of over the years, I'm, I've not really thought about anyone else's transition other than my own in that I love the fact that I'm far more supported emotionally by my wife because I've obviously over the years learnt to be able to share my vulnerability and recognise the benefits of doing so. To be listened to and validated by our partners can often be enough. There will be stresses and there will be problems, there will be challenges. And it's up to us as human beings to work it all out as we go along. And obviously, if we're not sharing what's going on for us, as is quite typical with a lot of men, then you're carrying the weight of it. I think over the years, women have obviously gone in one direction in terms of their roles altering, and rightly so. But have men adjusted 
have men looked at the expectations on them and what they bring to the family uh, environment and actually adjusted the fact that, well, there's probably less pressure on me to be the all and everything. I don't think most have. Uh, I'd say a very small percentage of men would now recognise that they are literally, you know, equal partners in their relationship and in that family balance. Actually, it's not all on them, uh, but maybe they still feel like it is. Maybe they still feel like it's still their job, regardless of what equality means or shows that I must be the one who's bringing in the majority um, of an income. As a man, we are telling ourselves that we have to be the answer and that we have to be the solution. Well, it's a terrible pressure to put on yourself. Anyway, how do we help navigate these um, unhelpful suggestions and traditions um, around masculinity and what it means to be a man? So let's let's dispel some of those, shall we? And let's um, reframe things in a more healthy way. Okay, this first question, Jeff, is from Phil. We need to discuss that men need to be taught to listen, hold space and understand. Men can't talk to their mates unless they are able to open up and hold that non-judgmental space for each other. Masculinity and its stereotypical traits are dangerous. Many men feel alone if they don't portray that perfect masculinity. Until men accept that we are all different and that it's okay to be different, the ability for honest conversations to take place will be minimal. Yeah, I mean, look, let me echo that. It is absolutely imperative that we are ourselves um, and that we're not trying to live up to any social uh, norms. Um, if, If anything, a lot of the social norms around masculinity are absolutely outdated. But I can, you know, really see how at the moment because of, rates of unemployment, the uncertainty around job prospects in the future. Um, This is probably the most uncertain time since war times, effectively, since the Second World War that we we could have possibly found ourselves in. If you are surprised that you're feeling not quite your best, you know, and I say that as an understatement, think about it. These are the hardest times that we've ever encountered. These are the most uncertain times, and there are threats to our normal day-to-day routine um, and the way that we live and the securities that we have enjoyed over the years, yeah, more so now than there ever has been. I know that for men, you know, to not know whether we're securing our employment, I I know that's absolutely massive for most because, again, it's like if we're not the providers, then what are we? What actual value do we provide our family? And the truth is, is that you are so much more than a figure that you put in a bank account on a monthly basis. You are people's um, support. You are, you know, that source of love and of care and affection. Um, Your presence is enough. Just you being you and being present and being someone that is there honestly trying to work through whatever the impacts on coronavirus in the last 12 months has had on you. I don't think anyone expects you to be perfect or to be strong. And God, that's a, it's a term that comes up a lot, you know, especially around men and male mental health. And, you know, what is strength? You know, a lot of people think that strength is suppression and not actually sharing the issue. And it's, it's rubbish. It's rubbish because we're all vulnerable and we're all going through difficulties. And if we don't every now and again turn up at the dinner table and maybe say, I've had an absolute shocker today, I feel really sad or I feel down, then you're not being honest. When did it ever become okay to lie to people that we love? 
and that depend on us. But actually, I think what kids and partners and, and friends and family members generally need of all of us, and it's our responsibility now, I think, is to just be honest so that people know where we are. And I don't mean geographically. I don't mean right. And I know that they're in the living room. I mean that they know where we are emotionally because that will then tell them how much they should worry and maybe how much they can afford to relax. You are not doing anyone a favour by pretending to be okay when you're not. That's not leadership. Um, That's not strength. That's not masculinity. That is you conforming to traditions that are outdated and irrelevant. What we need to do is normalise vulnerability, normalise the fact that we might not be okay sometimes. If you are male and you are listening to that and you thought, right, actually, yeah, that that pretty much speaks volumes about the pressure that I'm putting on myself and how actually it's quite ineffective um, and counterproductive, um, you know, and and how I'm not really helping the people that I love. Good. Um, Maybe rewind it and listen to it again. This next question is from Mark uh, and an observation from him as well. Not to cry, be strong, look after everyone else, man up. Just some of the things I've heard throughout my life and believed. It's so important to try and change these stereotypes and defaults we can all have. Isn't it just what a, what a terrible expression it is to, to man up? You know, I've, I've used it loads of times probably in the past. I would have used it in my football career, you know, when I felt particularly tired or something was particularly challenging. I might have said, you know, come on, man up feel like you know that was short-sighted but obviously you know we, we don't know at the time do we? it's good that we question phrases and terminology and, and so we should because as society moves on and evolves and develops so should the way that we title things or, or the phrases that we use to describe certain things in those moments obviously it's not about manning up it's about come on you can do it it's a genderless thing <laughs> it's uh it's not necessarily you're a man so you should be able to withstand you know, great pressure and you should be able to cope with anything. It's just unhelpful. It really, really is. So nobody needs to man up anymore. Um, What you need to do as a human is just be able to open up. So I'm going to change that first word from man to open. You know, there's so many reasons why men don't talk. You know, I've got to be the breadwinner. I've uh, I've got to be strong. I've got to be dominant. I've got to be in control. Um, You know, as a result, so much less likely to recognize our emotional needs. But, you know, these stereotypes, I, I want everybody to, to think about and whether they're healthy for them. I hope that that's what this podcast will um, will do, this particular episode, because I think we should all just challenge what are my expectations of myself as a man? Um, what is society's expectations of me as a man? What expectations do my group of friends have of me as a man in certain situations? And I can already answer that for myself as I'm sort of asking the question. I'm sort of answering it in my mind as well. But I've had two conversations the last two evenings with two really good friends that I guarantee years ago would not have would not have offered this. But both of them, you know, we've we've had a laugh. We've talked about certain things. Um, we talked about football and golf and the Masters and whatever else is going on. But they've also told me a few things that they've found emotionally difficult, and that is progress. Um, so that's that's the point is that we want to try and make as many men uh, feel encouraged to share what they would have deemed as being weakness, um, but actually them realising that there is a strength in doing so. 
talking is usually something that we shy away from because it feels difficult. That's the clue. When something feels difficult and outside our comfort zone, that's usually what we need to do uh, the most. When thinking about my own masculinity, I honestly think that, you know, I sit here now with a, a sort of a top knot and Emma's looking at me and she can sort of see that I've got a, a very long hair at the moment because obviously I haven't been able to get my hair cut. When this goes out, I will have been able to have got my hair cut yesterday. I'm actually deciding not to. <laughs> I've got so used to the long locks that I, I kind of just want let it, to let it go for a little bit. I'm quite, I quite like tying it up. However, was I scared to tie it up? for a point did I actually think well what my friend's gonna say I probably did that's your masculinity and your ego getting involved and again for a lot of men we, we trip over our our sense of masculinity and ego regularly for me my masculinity is uh is almost I don't know I like I like to think that it's masculine that I took responsibility for my children and, and brought them up the best way that I could uh honestly you know and truthfully and uh that's probably the most masculine thing and maybe the only masculine thing that I can really think of doing because I realise that my goalposts have always been to be as human as possible. And I think that's a really healthy um, way to, to go about dictating and deciding how manly we are. Um, how manly do I need to be? I don't know. I know what I've had to be for my children. I've had to become a, almost like a hybrid. Uh, I'm, I'm a dad and I can only be a dad, so I can never be mum and dad because that's impossible. Um, but I can certainly be more sensitive um, to their emotional needs. And I've, I've probably benefited from that because it's, it's helped me to really understand the value of letting them express their emotions and to encourage their emotions but to obviously share mine, because as dad, I need to be that role model. And if they can see it in me, if they can see that I'm going to therapy and that I really benefit from it and that I seem to look forward to my sessions as opposed to, oh, this is going to be painful. It's, you know, sometimes it's difficult, but um, it's never painful. It's always more of a relief, to be honest. They look at that and think, well, maybe that's manly, but, but it's not because it's genderless, isn't it? It's, it's just brave. And so when I try and define, you know, what makes me a man, I'd, again, I always just refer back to, I'd rather think about what makes me human. And I reckon a lot of other men would probably do well to actually consider that themselves. What makes me human today? What actions did I take that actually um, gave to others that made me feel good? What did I contribute? And again, this is all genderless and um, we can tick many boxes in the human category without necessarily needing to go in in pursuit of right what box can I tick in the in the manly category this next question is um, a really important question Jeff uh, the person who sent it in didn't send in their name this is anonymous a really good friend of mine is in a really dark place in March 2020, his younger brother died by suicide and obviously this has really affected him and his mental health. He goes through stages of shutting himself away from everyone and not talking to anybody. It is causing problems at his workplace and he's on the verge of losing his job. He saw a counsellor but didn't connect with them and didn't get the benefits from it, which maybe we hoped he would. I'm really struggling to know how to support him 
but won't back down from doing so. Do you have any advice? Well, you're a good friend and, um, yeah, thank you for, for being there for him. Um, yeah, you can imagine with when it comes to losing a younger sibling that there will be um, guilt and, and, and feelings of, you know, responsibility. Um, you know, I should have done more. I should have been there. And, and the truth is, is that actually um, sometimes it's so, so difficult to detect the um, the signs of someone actually feeling like they're suicidal. Why would we assume that? if if we've been given no reason to whatsoever but I can imagine that in a lot of cases there is responsibility taken and 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 guilt apportioned that that maybe isn't um actually relevant but try telling them that to get anybody into seeing a counsellor is obviously a massive move we we know that that gives us the assurance of of knowing that they're receiving professional care and advice um, and um what people don't always realize is that sometimes um not every therapist is for everybody um you know there are different therapists with different um training different backgrounds different styles and actually they've got their own personalities and characters as well so you know sometimes it really is a case of maybe consulting with with a few um before you kind of really get a um a, a true sense of who it is that you want to actually dedicate the next however many years to speak into and again i say years Sometimes um, it might be months. I'm someone who sat in therapy for four years. But um, again, I understand that at the beginning of our therapy journey, if you like, when something horrendous has happened in our life, um, that is um, not necessarily something that we wanted to do for much more than, you know, a couple of months, maybe. But once you get into it, I guess you become more comfortable with it and the stigma attached to therapy will start to dissipate. What I would just want to do, and this is this is in answer to this question, but also to a lot of people that are listening to this who are maybe in a similar situation. I think if we're being honest, have we not all got someone either in our inner circle or maybe on the fringes of that that we know that is struggling in one way, shape or form? The five steps um, that I'm going to talk about are relevant to everybody. So um, first of all, um, we need to be comfortable in asking how they are uh, as a first port call. It's a very obvious question. But also, uh, if you feel like suicide is a is a potential and you just want to eliminate that and rule it out, then it is an insensitive to ask that. It's quite brave, uh, but sometimes it'd be really necessary because their response might actually give you the feedback that you need in order to feel either reassured or in order to almost escalate your concern. This is how mind.org.uk advise on how to have that conversation. They say there is still a taboo around talking about suicide, which can make it even harder for people experiencing these feelings to open up and feel understood. Direct questions about suicide like, are you having suicidal thoughts or have you felt like you want to end your life can help somebody talk about how they're feeling. Again, look for the feedback, look for the response. Um, do you believe their response if they've said no? Um, and, you know, if they've said yeah, then obviously, well, what do we do there? And, and I'll go on. So secondly, you've got to listen. A lot of people in a lot of situations, whether it's grief or mental health, um, we really expect ourselves to come up with this magic string of, of words and sentences that, that just make the situation better. Um, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, in all honesty. Um, so listening is 
always underestimated, always undervalued. If you've asked the question and then just be prepared to sit there and be in rapport. And that means to, you know, literally mirror their body shape um, and to, you know, make sure you've got eye contact and listen to every word that comes out of their mouth because you will be enabling them to express. And that is valuable. Encouraging people to talk. It's vital that people can talk and that are comfortable enough to do so. So provide them with that platform. So when it comes to whatever it is that they've then told you, you've got to then do something with that information and help them to make a plan. And it's like, right, you feel like this and it's because of this. Um, Right, what are we going to do to make it better? So this is where you can become quite coach-like. You can ask some really good open questions that, again, help your friend or the individual that you're talking to to explore their mind further. So, okay, what are we going to do with um, with the situation that you've just told me about? Um, what's the next step um, to making things better? Who do you need to tell in order to not carry the, the load yourself? Um, what do you need to change? So there's just some examples and they're really obvious and typical. And, you know, it's just try not to give so much advice and actually try to ask more questions. And um, that that is what we consider being coach-like. And that will really help someone to uh, be able to um, elongate their, their line of inquiry into their own thoughts and feelings, which is a really powerful thing. Again, if that person is particularly fragile, I would say um, identify the people around you or them that also have a vested interest in that person being healthy and that person recovering, that person feeling better or getting into speaking to another therapist um, so that you're not actually carrying the burden of being that person's sole support. Uh, Because again, that's really a job for a professional. As a friend, yes, it is our job to look out for people. But I think at a point we have to see ourselves almost as a referral service, Um, but one that obviously always checks in and one that is always available for 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 that person to be able to offload to who else loves this person who else is in this person's life um maybe form a whatsapp group something that i've done around someone in the past and that's a way of you sharing information about what was said in the last conversation and anything that might be useful and helpful for you all to be able to put a net a safety net underneath that person for the time being you know, if you do feel like that person is actually worse than you suspected and maybe if there have been suicidal thoughts, then you tell that person that you'd like to get them some medical help now. You'd make sure that you're with them. You know, that really is everything that you can do. And um, again, it's all really about seeing yourself as a friend, as a referral service to, okay, they've told me and that's really good. Now what's the next step? Um, you know, whether they're, you know, particularly down uh, or whether actually this is something that they're kind of managing um, that we just need to keep an eye on Um, but look I hope those things are helpful obviously these are things that I've researched by looking at websites such as Calm um, such as the Samaritans um, but you know uh, there there is a list of these on the absoluteradio.co.uk website it's forward slash time to listen and there are details of again some amazing organizations who can absolutely help it's um, it's a big responsibility to take on yourself. Um, make sure that you are sharing that responsibility with with others. And again, you know, listening is really the most fundamental thing that we can that we can give a friend um, or, or that we have the ability to do. Uh, but when it comes to referring them to professionals, I'd always recommend that we try and do that 
as early on as we possibly can. If someone is seeing a professional, then there is a much better chance of them turning things around and regaining their health. This question is anonymous, or this message. Men should be able to show their emotions and not be afraid to cry and scream and shout if that's how they feel. My husband is 69 and even now he is finding emotions he didn't know he had. Talking, talking and more talking is the way forward. And whoever sent that in, what a relief for you. All those years have gone by where someone has just literally suppressed things um, that they didn't probably realise they were burying. And, and now next thing, you know, the lockdown effect, and I've described this on previous episodes, but we've all had the time and the, the space uh, and the quietness, if you like, and the peace and the stillness to actually be able to check in with what's going on in our subconscious mind. And that's not something that we proactively do. It's something that just happens automatically. And uh, as a result, I know that lots of people have been experiencing feelings that they didn't know existed. And that uh, you can feel one day really sad and down um, and you can look around and think, but I'm happy. My family life is great and I'm lucky enough to still have a job. And, you know, I, I still do have some security in my life. Um, how can I possibly feel this way? And it's because that box has been opened. Uh, we all have a box that we've systematically stuff things in. I guess men's boxes could potentially be a lot, a lot more packed than, than others. Um, but, you know, we'll have been doing that to a degree over the years and uh, lockdown has opened a lot of people's boxes. And what comes out? Echoes of, of things that we didn't deal with at the time that all of a sudden our, our subconscious is like, well, we saved this for you because that's how it works. You never really get away without actually dealing with things. You know, people don't realise that's how we work. People don't realise that our conscious um, mind is 5% of who we actually are in total. And that beneath the surface, um, you know, the areas that we don't typically explore or talk about or even think about, um, that's 95% of, of actually who we are and what we've got going on. So it's absolutely no surprise that a lot of us listening to this will have been hit with emotions that feel like they're not relevant to today, but are actually, you know, things that have been let out. So, uh, so there you go. This is another, I guess it's proof to the point that to talk is to express is to mean that you don't have to put anything in your box that you've then got to deal with 30 years down the line. You know, if anyone's like, yeah, you know, we shouldn't talk about things because it's just a reminder of the problem. <laughs> that is probably what people used to say in 1950. Now, actually, if you if you don't talk and if you don't work through whatever it is that you're feeling or going through at the time, which is always valid and is always OK, um, then we're stitching ourselves up in years to come. We're literally stitching our future selves up. So, yeah, I don't want to encourage my kids to do that. And I want to make sure that they've got a healthy understanding of the fact that to go through difficulty is normal and is human and is the, the experience of man or woman. And that actually, if we learn to deal with things honestly and truthfully in, in the moment at the time, then in years to come, you won't have to sit in four years of therapy like I've just done <laughs> um, in order to, you know, revisit your childhood and basically make right the things that have, have obviously, you know, always laid beneath the surface, just niggling away. I love the fact that this is a 69-year-old man who grew up at a time when it was not okay to share feelings. 
it was not the norm. It was not the dumb thing. And for them to be able to get that therapy now and be able to discuss things with their partner is just so healthy and is so reassuring. And that is something that we all have the ability to do and that we should actually, as a point of looking after ourselves and certainly our future selves, should look to do as much as we can. So whilst I know it's been really important for me today to talk about um, what we can do to help others, um, it's really important to just touch on, again, the basics of good mental health for all of us individually. Talking is massive. You must talk. You must, must, must talk. And stay as active as you can. Being active is really important for a number of reasons. Um, There are social benefits. There are physical benefits. We often don't understand the, the amount of chemicals that are released when we exercise that are good for our mind and our mental health. The two are very intrinsically linked and we must always remember that. We have to eat well. You know, we have to really have a look at the balance of things that we are putting in to the body. It is fuel, you know, and if we want our mind to be healthy, then we need to put good fuel in, right? Um, we need to hydrate. That is another completely underestimated thing. You know, drinking water is, is again, like people think, oh, water, boring. Um, but it's literally what we need to survive. You know, a certain percentage of our body is actually water. Um, so make sure that's topped up. And you can tell if you need more water by what happens when you go to the toilet, right? I'm starting to sound like people's dad here. I'm not, <laughs> not, trying, to, uh, not trying to lecture, but just go over the basics, okay? Um, to communicate I mean I guess I've said that in talking but to communicate with people to have a social life of of any extent and to not isolate yourself or shut yourself off or withdraw socially you know to communicate is really really key to be able to ask for help you know have you asked for help lately Uh, have you ever said to anybody you know I think I could do with a chat or a cup of tea that's kind of asking for help Um, it's recognizing your needs and acting on it so that you give yourself what it is that you would benefit from. Um, do you take breaks or are you like many people in lockdown or working from home who are sort of forgetting that breaks exist and that lunch hours are really important to keep a balance for yourself? Breaks are really important um, to not sustain a stressful or high pressure situation for any longer than you need to. Do something you love, you know, make sure it's not all work unless you obviously love work and then that's different but make sure there's something that makes you feel like you can get lost in it and something that you do. Like for me, it's golf at the moment, like where you're just in your happy place and you're doing something that takes your mind off of your stresses and your worries. Uh, Those things are worth their weight in gold. Always have been, but uh, none more so than now. Uh, Acceptance in who you are, I think is a, is a massive uh, basic requirement. All of your perceived strengths and weaknesses Do you accept that that's a culmination of your childhood, of your adult life experiences, of the decisions that you've made? Do you take responsibility for the position in life that you find yourself in? Do you know and accept that you can do something about it whenever you choose? Acceptance is really important. And lastly, I think, even though I could go on, I'm caring for others. Yeah, a lot of us kind of feel like, right, you know, we're under siege at the minute and we need to just look after ourselves. And to an extent, you know, there is a, a need for that. When we look after other people, though, we get a huge sense of satisfaction. It makes us feel really human. It makes us feel connected. And that is something that will always make us feel good. I used to feel like I had solved my own issues by helping other people with theirs. 
whilst it might not go the full distance to, to solving every issue that we've got, it just makes us feel good, right? We feel human, we feel accessible, we feel like we've done a good deed and you know that helps us sleep at night and that helps us to also get a sense of identity. If you want your identity to, to feel strong and to be something that you're proud of, then make sure that your identity and your actions are, are certainly uh, made up of things that you would not just do for yourself, but that you would do for others as well. Thanks very much for listening to this important episode and this series of Only Human. It's the end of the season, so if you've missed any episodes, please go back and have a listen. We cover a range of topics, including positivity, routines, habits, self-validation, and much more. Thank you all for your questions and contributions throughout the series as well. This is a community and these podcasts would not have worked without you. And remember, a podcast can only go so far. So if you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed in this series, do please seek professional help or go to absoluteradio.co.uk forward slash time to listen for details of some amazing organisations that we work with who can help. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode and yeah, look after yourselves. Thank you. Thank you.